Okay. Acts chapter 9, 11 through 19. We are in uh, Damascus here. Saul is there. Ananias is in Damascus. And we're fixing to see them meet up with one another for the first time. Um, this is just a, a really, really cool story. I mean, I'm still blown away by, by how the Lord reveals himself to Saul, also to Ananias, and how he works this out. It is really cool. Let's begin there in verse 11. Listen to what it says. Acts 9, 11 through 19. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. And here he has authority from the chief priests to bind all who call on your name. But the Lord said to him, go. Second time, by the way, the Lord has told him to go. For he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. So Ananias departed and entered the house and laying his hands on him, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus who appeared to you on the road by which you came has sent me so that you may regain your sight and be filled with the Holy Spirit. And immediately something like scales fell from his eyes, and he regained his sight. Then he rose and was baptized. And taking food, he was strengthened. For some days he was with the disciples at Damascus. May God bless the reading of his word this morning. Acts chapter 9, 11 through 19. Last week, we left off with Saul fasting and praying in the house of Judas. Do you remember that? He was fasting and praying in the house of Judas on Straight Street in Damascus. We looked at the Lord knowing our smallest details in life. Has anybody experienced that this week? I know I have. The Lord knows our smallest details, the things that we are struggling with, the things that we are needing, the things that we don't need. The Lord knows what those things are. He gets all up in our business and we see that he is a very personal God. And you can see from this story, if there's ever a time in in Scripture where you can see the sovereign hand of Lord getting in the life of someone else very personally, it is in the story of Saul. Very personally. And so we looked at that. God cares about those small things, those small details. This is where Saul is at. He's in a very vulnerable, vulnerable position. Why is he vulnerable? Why is Saul vulnerable? The violent now has become the one that is vulnerable. Why is he vulnerable? To be vulnerable suggests that you could be in danger, right? To be vulnerable suggests that one would be uh, in a place where he could receive something that he don't want to receive. To be vulnerable is raising your hands up in worship. Right? Why is being vulnerable raising your hands up? Why is that being vulnerable? Well, it's because of surrender. 
It's because of surrendering all that you have to the Lord. You're exposing your vitals. This is a position of surrender. Hands up. Vulnerable. Saul is in a position of vulnerability. He can't stop a slap coming at him, can he? Why? Because he's blind. Thank you, Casey. Because he's blind. He is vulnerable. I talked about my father-in-law last week. Last week, being blind. My father-in-law is one of the most vulnerable men. You can sneak up on him because he can't hear. And he absolutely can't see. And you could do whatever you wanted to, to him. Because he's vulnerable. Saul is in a condition here. And it's a, a very, very humbling condition. I told you, I, I believe he was probably in the fetal position. Or maybe in the outstretched position. But he was vulnerable. Saul had heard the gospel preached by Stephen. You remember that? In chapter 8. Remember when Stephen was stoned? Who was it that gave the charge and, and agreed and, and was all about it? Well, it was Saul. He held the clothes of those that stoned him. But he heard the gospel. Stephen preached the gospel beginning from the Old Testament all the way up until the current time. Stephen preached the gospel. So Saul heard the gospel preached. The Lord makes himself manifest to Saul on the road to Damascus, blinding him, dropping him to the floor, dropping him to the ground on the road. Saul realizes his sin there. He believes in the Lord by faith. Now he's fasting and praying in the house of Judas, communing with God. This is a totally different person than what we've seen going into Damascus. Totally different. He's communing with God through Jesus Christ, the Son. Verses 11 and 12. As Saul is praying, he sees in a vision a man named Ananias. Right? So he's going to see in a vision a man named Ananias. He's, the Lord is going to confirm to Saul that someone is going to come to him to bring back his sight. And Saul is praying. He sees in a vision that a man named Ananias is coming to him to restore his physical sight. Ananias is told all of this by the Lord at which it truly scares him. The Lord tells Ananias this. Listen to what it says in in, uh, 11. And the Lord said to him, rise and go to the street called Straight. And at the house of Judas, look for a man of Tarsus named Saul. For behold, he is praying. And he has seen in a vision a man named Ananias come in and lay his hands on him so that he might regain his sight. But Ananias answered, Lord, I have heard about from many about this man, how much evil he has done to your saints at Jerusalem. To say that he was scared is probably an understatement. And at some point in our life, we're going to have to come to grips with the fact that if we are children of God, he is going to call us to do things, call us to be things 
call us to serve him in such a way and in such a capacity in such a manner that is going to make us very uncomfortable and very vulnerable. And we're going to have to do it. We're not going to have this option of saying, no, no, no. I ain't doing that, Lord. I went down that path one time. I went down that path for six years, and guess who won at the end of the day? The Lord. But we are all going to have to come to the terms of this scary place in our life that says, okay, I'm going to follow him by faith because he's told me what to do. But I want us to see today that there are many things that the Lord shows us and gives to us to help us in that process. So this is a big concern for Ananias. He was scared. And he had every right to be. Have you ever been scared serving the Lord? Please, somebody by show of hands. We've been scared. I've been scared. In the pulpit, I've been scared. In the jungle, I've been scared. All over the planet, it just, it is what it is. It's, it's a scary thing at times, serving the Lord. For one reason, you don't want to mess up, do you? <laughs> you don't want to mess up. For another reason, you have doubt and you have fear and you have all of these emotions that plague us. But I want us to see today that the Lord gives us things to console us, to comfort us in this process of working for Him. Look at, I want you to look at Ananias. And now this is not a new concept. And I'm just going to be forthright with you here on this, on this text. As I've studied for this lesson and studied for this, this uh, passage of Scripture, I've found a lot of theologians that would say that the Lord is comforting Ananias here. John MacArthur's one of them. Charles Spurgeon is another one. So to say that this is some new thought is not anything new at all. But it's to reemphasize what has already been taught from many, many pulpits. Is that the Lord comforts and consoles those that are tired, that are weary, that are scared, and that are fearful. This is what he does. Verses 11 through 16, we're going to see the Lord do just that. And you know what strikes me so odd is that he doesn't have to be, does he? He doesn't have to be gracious to us, but he is very gracious. When we doubt him and when we have fear, when we don't want to do or when we're scared of messing up, man, I tell you what, I'd have got rid of me a long time ago if I was the Lord. I'd have got rid of me a long time ago. And you would probably agree with that. About me and about you. But the Lord is gracious, isn't He? Merciful. He is long-suffering. Forbearing. And so He chance after chance. And it's not even, it's not chance after chance as much as it is love upon love. He continues to show us His consolation. 
continues to. We have this reassurance, we have this comfort from the Lord. We see it through the scriptures, the Lord being gracious to the fearful, to the uncertain, to the questionable. So in our text, we have the Lord bringing confirmation for consolation to Ananias. He's actually doing it to Saul as well at the same time. You see how he can work in different people's lives at the same time to fulfill one common goal? It's so cool to me. In Exodus, and I don't want you to turn there. I'm paraphrasing all of this. I'm going to be in Exodus, Joshua, and, and Judges for just a moment. Uh, you, can, you can reference these later, but they are true. <laughs> I just want to throw that out there at you. Exodus chapter 3, 11, Joshua chapter 1, 5 through 9, and then we will be in the book of Judges very briefly. And I'm going to give you some instances where this has taken place What we are seeing in Acts 9, we're going to see it take place in the Old Testament and then we're going to fast forward back to the New Testament because I believe it is important to preach the whole Bible and not just portions that we like. I believe it is good to, with examples, back up what is being said in the New Testament with the Old. And so listen to what it says. Exodus chapter 3 and 11. Moses said to God, this was when the Lord was calling Moses to bring the children of Israel. You talk about a hard job. They were some knuckleheads. To bring the children of Israel out from underneath the grip of Pharaoh. This man had been wandering in the desert for 40 years. <laughs> Being a shepherd to his father-in-law. He's now 80. And the Lord says, hey, hey you, come over here to this burning bush. Take your shoes off, get on your face. I'm going to call you and you're going to go take out my people from out from underneath Pharaoh. Do you think for a second that Moses was scared? I guarantee you he was scared. I guarantee you he was scared. The Lord's response to Moses... To Moses' fear is this. The Lord's response to his inadequacies. Listen to what the Lord tells Moses. I will be with you. And the sign that I am with you is that you will worship me on this mountain afterwards. Not only did he give him that sign, but he also gave him the sign of the snake and the rod and the leprous hand. And he also said, by the way, your brother Aaron is coming to you. You're fixing to meet him on the road. Kind of sounds familiar like Saul and Ananias, doesn't it? How can the Lord put in one heart something that's going on in somebody else and then meet up on the road? Because he's God and he can flip the script and he can do what he wants. He's all-powerful, omniscient, omnipotent. And we see his power displayed. And so he confirms this to Moses. Multiple confirmations to Moses. He told him what he would do, and then he begins to back up what he is going to do. He confirms it to him over and over and over and over. Why does the Lord take great pains? Why did he just wipe? You know he got mad at Moses multiple times in his life. Why did he just wipe him off the planet? 
Because he's gracious and he's merciful. And I praise God for that. He's gracious and he's merciful. I praise him for it. He should have probably wiped him off. There was a good reason he didn't get to go into the land of promise. Remember that? But here, the Lord gives him multiple confirmations. Why? To console him and to encourage him to do the work that he has called him to do. The Lord doesn't have to, but he does. Joshua chapter 1. Five through nine. Let me ask you a question before I go any further. Has the Lord ever sent somebody to you? You say, well, something like this, that's awfully weird. I mean, they were seeing visions and miracles and this and that. Yeah, I understand that. What I'm asking is, has the Lord ever sent anybody to you to encourage you? You better say yes. <laughs> I guarantee he has. You ever got a card in the mail at just the right time? I'm going to pick on her because she ain't here. Helen, Helen, Sister Helen's not here. I was struggling, man, a couple of months ago. Struggling. We've had a hard several months. That's why we took a vacation all of a sudden. Sister Helen sent a card in the mail. Simple. Nothing special. Just a card. Wrote her name on it. Wrote some encouraging words. But when I got it, that was the moment I needed it the most. You think the Lord doesn't see those moments when you are absolutely down at the bottom? And you know what you have to do and you know that you've got to keep pressing on and going, but you just can't until He sends one of His saints to you. Somebody comes with an envelope full of money and says... I know you can't pay this bill. Here it is. See, the Lord cares about all of these, and He continues to confirm this to us, that He is with us, that He will not leave us, that He will not forsake us. And we have to stand on that. Joshua chapter 1, 5 through 9. After Joshua is chosen by the Lord. Now this is the one coming after Moses. And we went through Joshua back in 2020. At the beginning of the year, I started that in 2020 and it carried through COVID. If you recall that. Joshua chapter 1, is this is the Lord's calling to Joshua for him now to take over and do Moses' job, which I would not have wanted. I don't know if y'all... <laughs> I mean, Moses had his hand full. Big time. Joshua sees all of this as he ministers to Moses all those years. And now Joshua is going to take that position on. And Joshua's like, whoa. <laughs> Slow down the trolley, man. <laughs> this is, you're asking me to do, I saw what happened to Moses. You're asking me to do that? That's right. I'm asking you to do that, Joshua. Listen to what it says. Chapter 1, 5 through 9. This is a paraphrase. Joshua is chosen by the Lord to lead the children of Israel. The Lord tells him, No one, no one will be able to stand before you. God called him to it. He is going to equip him and encourage him and console him to go through it. 
Confirmation after confirmation. Listen to what he says. No one will be able to stand before you. Be strong. Be courageous. Don't be frightened. I will not leave you or forsake you. All of this is to reassure Joshua of what God had called him to do. Once again, I say it, confirmation for consolation. He confirms it over and over to us. And then we have little Gideon. Then we have little Gideon. Judges chapter 6, the Lord calls for a certain assignment. He calls Gideon for a certain assignment. Pretty big assignment, matter of fact. He's going to deliver the people out of the hands of the Amalekites and the Midianites. Who numbered as the sand of the sea. Stars of the sky, dust of the earth. These people were everywhere about to invade and the Lord calls little Gideon. And Gideon's first response after hearing, O mighty man of valor, Gideon hears this, says this back in response. I am the least, I belong to the least tribe. The weakest tribe. And I am the least in my father's house. You think he didn't doubt and you think he didn't have fear? Absolutely. He thought the Lord was going to give him this gigantic army. So, no. All these men come to join the fight. And then the Lord cuts it down to how many? Finally, 300 people. You think Gideon wasn't scared? I guarantee you, he was scared. Gideon, the first sign that he asked the Lord. Now Gideon is, is, is truly asking the Lord for signs, which I don't really recommend you do. But, uh, I, I pray that you just look in God's Word and read it. Uh, but here Gideon is, he's asking for signs. Like He's like, Lord, show me a sign. How many people have done that before? I've done it. And I'm looking, I'm looking at grapevines. I'm looking at corn coming up. I'm looking at animals. I'm looking at people saying stuff to me. I'm like, show me a sign. Please do something. Confirm this to us. But he's already confirmed it in his word, right? That's right. So he's confirmed it in his word. But listen to what Gideon does. So he's scared to death. And he says, give me a sign. He said, I'm going to make some cakes. And if you take them, then, then we'll know. And so the Lord does. And that's the first sign. And then the second sign, the second two signs was kind of one of itself. It's that of a fleece and it being wet or dry and then dry or wet. Right? Gideon is still scared. And so what's the Lord say? I tell you what, Gideon. If you're still scared, go down to the camp. The Amalekites, the, the Midianites, they're meeting down there. and One of them's had a dream. Go listen to it. And so Gideon goes down there and he listens to it. And what's Gideon come back and he says, The Lord has truly given them into my hand. It was one confirmation after another, after another, after another. Why? Because he knew that he was about to do something big. Or do something small. And he needed that consolation to go about doing it. We get in these positions all the time. The Lord tells him, fear not. Do not be afraid. Do what I tell you. 
to do. In our text in Acts chapter 9 this morning, Ananias, undoubtedly a righteous man, we see that he is. Devout to the law, we see that he is. Loves the Lord and we know that he does. But here we see that he is fearful. Any man or woman or child can become fearful when it comes to being obedient to the Lord. Have you been fearful? It's a dark place, isn't it? You know that the Lord's with you, but in the same hand, I mean, it's not enough that He's calling us to do something that should be enough encouragement, but in the same hand, with that calling, it then comes fear. So what does the Lord do for us? Time and time again, He gives us confirmation for our consolation. Over and over and over. I cannot... I wish I could have wrote these things down. All of them. There's too many. There's too many. I cannot tell you the times that I have came out of my office fearful that I'm going to preach not what's right. Stand up and preach. And the Sunday school teachers afterwards come to me and say, you know, we learned that this morning. And I'm like, really? What is that? The Lord lining everything up like He's good at doing, right? We can't get around that. That's what He does. He's good at it. I'm going to give you five things very quickly because we're running out of time. Five things very quickly to show us the Lord move in Ananias' life in this situation in 11 through 16. The very first one. First, he tells him he is praying. It would be hard to be scared of a man that's praying, right? Oh, by the way, Ananias, I've called you to do this. Let me, let me just share this with you. He is praying. It shows something that he is different. He's not like he used to be. He's praying. Second thing, the Lord tells him, Saul has already seen in a vision that Ananias, that you, Ananias, would come and lay his hands on him so that he would receive his sight. This is also very comforting. Why is it very comforting? It's comforting to know that the man you're going to see is blind. I mean, he's scared to death to be bound by him. And now the Lord says, hey, you're going to go lay hands on him so he can receive his sight. What is that saying to Ananias? Wait a second, this man's praying and he's blind? He's a sitting duck. What's he doing? He's comforting. He's continuing to confirm to him his role and what he is calling him to do. It'd be very hard-pressed for Ananias to be hurt by a blind, praying man. Right? Comforting. Third, he tells Ananias that he's going to 
perform a miracle and restore sight to the blind. How cool is that? Like, it doesn't tell us anything. I mean, Ananias is a, is a figure in Scripture that is just very bleak. It is just right here. Paul mentions him one time over in another Scripture. But this is, this is it. And the Lord says, I'm going to use you to bring sight back to Saul. I'm going to use you to do a miracle. I promise this, it would be very difficult to want to kill someone who had just opened your eyes up from being blind. Miss Martha has trouble seeing, don't you, Miss Martha? It would be very difficult if someone laid their hands on you and said, receive your sight, and you received your sight fully. It would be very difficult. Matter of fact, it would be unheard of for you to be mad at that person. This is encouraging to Ananias. Because not only is he going to be the vessel and instrument by which the Lord is going to work a miracle, that is awesome. But here we understand that there's no way that Saul could be violent towards a man that shows him this much love. Ain't no way. Fourth, look at verse 15. Listen to what it says. Both the Lord said to him, Go, for he is a chosen instrument of mine to carry my name before the Gentiles and kings and the children of Israel. Fourth. This is actually, this is the second time where he tells him to go. Um, but look at the text. It says, He is chosen. He is chosen. Greek meaning elect. He is an elect earthen vessel of mine. What does that mean? That he is special to God. Do you believe that the Lord is going to let that special person hurt Ananias? No. No. Listen to the text. He is a chosen or an elect instrument or vessel of mine. The Lord tells Ananias he is chosen... He's elect, and I have big plans for him. Big plans for Saul. In other words, he's going to be part of the way, Ananias. Remember, Saul went to go persecute those of the way. Now he's saying he's part of the family. You understand what I'm telling you? He's part of the family. I know sometimes you may want to hurt your family. <laughs> People in your family. But I, I tell you this. When we truly come to each other in love, it's very difficult for us to hurt each other. It just is. I love to see you guys. Even Tara, back there in the back. I love to see you guys. I truly do. I, it, and it's, and it, it would be, I would be very hard-pressed to want to hurt any of you. Hard-pressed. And, and we see this, the Lord continuing to confirm to Ananias, hey, listen, he's family now. The man's praying. You're going to open his eyes. He has already seen this come to be. You're going to perform a miracle. Don't be scared, Ananias. Don't be scared. Fifth, 
And I think this is the one that... I think this is the big one. Look at verse 16. For I will show him how much he must suffer for the sake of my name. How is this comforting to Ananias? Let me tell you how it's comforting to Ananias. It shows us clearly that through Saul's devotion to the Lord, that he would be persecuted beyond measure. You say, well, what does that do for Ananias? It shows Ananias that this Saul is a righteous man and that he is going to stay righteous and that he is going to do the Lord's work. This is huge because Ananias is now, he's he's like, okay, I got you. He's going to suffer for you, Lord. I got it. Suffering for somebody really means true devotion, doesn't it? So the Lord tells Ananias here, he's going to suffer for me. Ananias is fully convinced by this point. He is comforting Ananias, and so Ananias is going to now go and speak with him. And we know that he does that. And I'm going to stop right there because I'm, I don't, I'm not going to take any more of your time. Because it goes, I've got three more pages of notes. But let me stop with this. The Lord sees our fears. And he comforts us. God has called us all to do something. He has called us all to minister in some type of capacity. If you're struggling with that and doubting that, Today, we don't need these signs and miracles and wonders like Ananias got. Because it has already been confirmed to us through 66 books. It has already been given to us very clearly that God will not leave us, that God will not forsake us. He's our strong tower. He's our bulwark. He is is the one that is higher than us. The rock that we stand upon. If you're struggling by trusting Him, if if you're struggling with trusting the Lord and what the Lord has called you to do, if you are fearful in that, let me say this. Over and over in Scripture... The Lord tells us to not fear. That He would be with us. And we need to trust Him in that. Just like Ananias, even today He still uses His saints to go to other saints to encourage, to lift up, to console, doesn't He? So last week we looked at the Lord seeing us, and this week we still look at the Lord seeing us. What's the message? This is the message right here. He gives us confirmation to console us over and over and over and over. And I don't know who it's for, but I pray this morning that if it is for you, 
that you would respond accordingly to the will of God in your life, whatever it may be. I know it's for me. Because I need this every day. Every day I need to be consoled. And you would think that after 15 years of preaching, that I wouldn't need that. But I have inadequacies. I do. Just as David did. And I get fearful. Just as David did. And then I hear the Lord speak just as He spoke to David. As I read it in His Word. I haven't left you. I'm still with you. Keep going and doing what you're doing. Trust Him by faith. Be obedient to the Lord this morning. Let's pray.